For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Back on the road is AEW Dynamite, and boy, did they deliver. And I'm not being facetious. They had something for everybody. Like it, love it, dislike it. You at least had to watch and be interested and, and be compelled to uh, stand up and tweet something. Tweet something, say something, leave a super chat. That's what we want you to do here tonight on the AEW Post Podcast here all across the Wrestling Inc. platforms, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, Facebook, audio platforms, whatever it might be. I'm Justin Labar alongside my Wednesday night partner in crime, Check him out on Forbes every single week. He is Alfred Kanoa. Alfred, happy Wednesday night to you. Happy Wednesday to you, Justin. And you hit the nail on the head. They literally had something for everybody, even people who hate AEW. And that might have been one of the best things in the show. <laughs> Absolutely. And they even let them. They even gave a live mic to an MMA pr- promoter and let and let him uh, let him run down and, and speak as an AEW hater. Bury the company. <laughs> oh man. So we'll get to that. All kinds of things. Uh, we see everybody starting to filter in here. So we'll give it uh, just a second. Uh, again, just a reminder, if you if you like this podcast, please give it a like. Again, wherever you're at, Twitch, YouTube, if you're on uh, Apple, if you're on uh, the Google Play Store, give it a like. That stuff goes a long way. Share it, comment it, rate it, uh, preferably a nice one if you uh, if you must. Uh, so do all that kind of good stuff. And uh, Alfred, we got some news we'll jump into uh, as well. And, and all the news, I believe, yeah, is all WWE-based news. So we'll do some WWE-based news uh, before we get into AEW Dynamite tonight. Uh, we'll start with um, start with a story that's not new. Obviously, it broke yesterday, uh, a sad one, an unfortunate one. That, of course, being Jimmy Uso getting another DUI arrest in Florida, uh, running a red light, uh, doing 55 and a 35, failing field sobriety. Uh, so he would spend overnight uh in the tank as they would say getting bailed out the next morning and the latest just news update is you know it's it's kind of like a no news but it's i guess it's just worth bringing up because everybody's kind of watching their social media feeds is that wwe has yet to publicly uh acknowledge you know with any comment uh and as far as we know discipline at least if any discipline has come down it's not made its way uh to the media and then the way of suspension fine or otherwise uh, this is um yeah, you know, was his third one or second one in the last two years? Yeah, third one and third one overall. Yeah, I think it's his fourth DUI arrest. I mean, he wasn't charged with a DUI every time. There was one time that he's not guilty, but he's been arrested for DUI at least four times. And then there was one time where he drove with a suspended license after getting a probation. Yeah, I mean, and, and like, look, I, um, and I know I'm sure you touched on a little bit last night, and and I don't want to. You know, no, and I'm not holier than thou. I, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a, a beer before and get behind the wheel. It's not smart to do. And I always, I, this is separate from this. I always say this. Like I've always said, like if I, if I had limited unlimited amount of money, one of the first thing I do is hire a driver. Hundred percent. Never mind for these situations of you know you, you, you've had one too many uh, out, but like just the amount of work I can get done in the car when I don't have to focus on the road, you know, and uh, sitting in traffic, a thing like a phone calls, I can answer emails, I can answer. And I always just wonder, I mean, I know you want to have, I guess your freedom and your privacy, but man, Oh man, like, uh, you know, you're a guy that makes certainly good money. I mean, you got the Uber app. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the many things that kind of tells you how serious of a problem this is. Not only how easy it would be for him to get a driver, but also this has affected his brother, too. I mean, Jay Uso's gone through it as well. You would think that would be enough of a wake up call. But, uh, you know, clearly WWE's kind of navigating around this sensitive situation. I don't know what um, their lean is going to be, but I just really do hope the priority is to get this guy help. Uh, I do think that, yes, of course, it was very reckless for him to continue to do these things. Uh, but at the same time, two things can be true in that I also do believe that uh, this man needs help and i think this is something that might be out of his control in dealing with because uh he clearly continues to risk not only his life but his well-being and his um professional well-being which i mean he's one of wwe's top stars and not to get too dark about this but there's a reason that he's had all these arrests and is still here is because he's that good he's worth this risk but they need to minimize this risk by actually stepping in and hopefully uh controlling this thing well he's that good and then of course the timing of being involved in the storyline you're involved in with 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 you know, with a family member who is the the leader of the of the company from the, from the locker room standpoint. So, uh, you know, but all all judgment, opinions, and politics aside, the point is, let's hope that he gets whatever he needs of help wise. And uh, but we wait and see what is what is this going to mean? Obviously, SmackDown uh, is live this Friday from the Thunderdome. They tape Raw for next week, but I believe this Friday is live. It's right. It's the, la- it's, it's the last live program from Thunderdome, I believe. Yeah, I believe they already taped the one for this Friday. I'm not 100% sure, but I know they're going live on the 16th, a week from Friday. But I don't know if this one coming up is going to be live. Okay, so this uh, this one is taped, and that we, you know, uh, it probably was taped, I'm going to guess, yesterday then. But, you know, whether or not they, whether or not we see Jimmy Uso or what have you, the storylines, we'll, we'll wait and see. So, again, hoping um, uh, hoping the best for there. Uh, real quick, a super chat did jump in here. I'll acknowledge that. Uh, this is coming from uh, $10 from Corey. Thank you, Corey. My favorite AEW episode ever. Great matches, great promos, a big surprise, and pettiness with shots taken at WB. And later in the show, what I believe was a shot at Jim Cornette. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, great super chat there, Corey. Corey kind of setting up the tease here without giving everything away. Yeah, the, all these things we'll touch on here in just a few minutes uh, on AEW Dynamite as we finish up on the news. So that there with Jimmy Uso, of course, is on SmackDown. Uh, then we also find out SmackDown last week, Alfred, draws the second lowest audience uh, since its time on Fox, 1.861 million. Yeah, I mean, I think you can tie this to the 4th of July weekend because we're going to also get into what the Raw number d- did. And, you know, WWE does have a history of drawing the lowest number ever. Like, this is not the first time they've drawn uh, the lowest number ever, even the second lowest number ever for a July 4th show. But at the same time, this is also a subplot with, you know, this is a show after Edge return. And, you know, even though you can kind of put it on the 4th of July weekend, this is becoming a what I think is a frustrating trend in that Edge, every time he comes uh, out and has like a match or his first match back didn't do well and i think edge has just been so phenomenal promo wise match wise uh how he looks he looks better than he did when he was in his prime and uh, and he just does not seem to be able to come in and draw and the only thing i could attribute that to um is the fact that i think we're like now getting to the second generation of part-timers like wwe's been doing this part-time thing so long that edge now represents the second generation of part-timers who are from an era that really wasn't as popular as the goldberg era as batista's era as cena's era so edge is kind of in that second generation i don't think uh, you know, WWE is going to start to get residual value out of these part-timers that's going to be very disappointing, I think. Next up, it's Dolph Ziggler. He's the next tier part-time. <laughs> he already might be a part-timer. He already <laughs> might be, yeah. He's already doing the comedy circuit and uh, Fox News or whatever else he does. Uh, all right, well, so, yeah, uh, uh, not great numbers there uh, for SmackDown on its Fox tenure, but, yeah, the worst, the worst of the worst, Alfred. When I say worst of the worst, this is dating back since the inception, since the start yep. of Monday Night Raw in 1993. We've been there for the whole entire ride. 
And this was the lowest viewed Raw average, with the Raw drawing an average of 1.472 million. Uh, this, according to Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics, this is down six percent from the previous week. Um, and this is this is the worst ever. Now, granted, it technically, you know, Fourth of July was technically the day before, so the next day, Monday, a lot of people do get off or you know are still yeah. on. Uh, holiday vacations, but uh, even but you know there was no NBA competition. There was NHL for the Stanley Cup, but not um, not for the NBA. But so I mean, any I, there's just no other way to spin this. I mean, I, I did I did this podcast like Monday night, and I just I just just harped on. We just the, the we can't get out of the Thunderdome fast enough. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm terrified for that NXT number because that you know in that Fourth of July kind of same span. Hopefully, people will be coming out of it and back to work and back to be able to watch it. But that went head to head against the NBA Finals. And I don't see that, even though it was a great American Bash show, which I think should help the rating, I don't see that doing too hot. But, yeah, this Raw rating was very, very bad, which is weird because I don't think Raw has necessarily been great these past few weeks. But in the last, I would say, three weeks, it has definitely been improved in terms of them kind of focusing more on Riddle and telling that story. And I think Riddle has just shined as a star in these past three weeks. And I've actually liked the direction they're going with Raw in terms of their top storylines over these past short few weeks. It just is not reflecting in the viewership right now. No, and I agree, and I've said this. I mean, there, there's certain things that yeah are a change of pace or change at least in directions, but it's almost like I feel like a lot. Just there's there's a certain number, there's a couple, you know, a couple hundred thousand. It would seem that have just kind of given up, or at least it said, hey, I'll check back in when live crowds come back. I'll check back in when John Cena's back, or you know, it, it, it's just that they've lost uh, the other. We're there every week as we got to be, but it seems Absolutely. like they've lost. They lost some people. And uh, finally, uh, jumping back to SmackDown. So, yeah, SmackDown goes back to the road here uh, in a couple weeks. And I believe this will be the second SmackDown back on the road. It'll be the July 23rd edition. And it's going to be kind of split between the Rocket, Mor- Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland. So half in that arena. And the other half is going to be taking place uh, with matches at the Rolling Loud Miami 2021 Festival. So, uh, you know, a little uh, little WrestleMania 2 simulcast action going on here for matches in, in multiple places. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. I think this is a great innovative idea. This is one of the things in the Nick Khan era that is a, a major priority of his is to get that audience younger. He wants the Cardi B's, the Bad Bunnies. He wants to have wrestling kind of intermingle with uh, the, the music world and the younger stars. It's almost like they've been reading my articles and that I've been saying this for years and that in order to get younger, WWE is going to have to intermingle its product with things that young people and let's say, let's face it, black people uh, absolutely like to do because that kind of culture will influence what young culture is. They're doing this a concert with ASAP Rocky and Post Malone and even Bobby Schmurda, WWE and Bobby Schmurda, who would have thought? And I really do think that this is going to help. The only thing that I'm kind of concerned about is those Rolling Loud tickets sold out. That's going to be a crowd there to see music. So uh, WWE is going to have to get very creative in intermingling that product, advertising the WWE wrestling ahead of time so that it doesn't catch this these people by surprise. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with you. The big picture here, this is a on paper a good attempt we'll see how it executes for what you just said yeah. um you know i'll be curious who do they choose from the smackdown roster who they think can have the most success to grab the audience and get over um you're right i mean the last thing you want here is like a uh sturgis road wild situation yeah. of like all the bikers are there to party and and and, and rev their bikes up and the first yeah, thing they, black version of that and that you know you know and they send harlem heat out first um <laughs> you know i don't know who WWE's gonna send out first to, to get over. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> 
boy. I will say this, though. On SmackDown's roster, I don't think anybody on the SmackDown, I mean, I think, you know, Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, Bailey. there's a lot of people who I th- think could really connect with these crowds, but of anybody in WWE, I think Hit Row would be perfect in that they are like a kind of a legitimate hip-hop act. I was singing their praises last night, and to really bridge that gap between music and wrestling, there's nothing better than Hit Row for that type of crowd. It's just that they're in NXT right now, they're still kind of bubbling, and, you know, SmackDown hasn't really gotten their hands on them, but I think Hit Row would be perfect for that. Well, you got, I mean, whatever acts, I mean, you got to watch. Obviously, they got to send some notable acts, whether it's Bianca or whomever, uh, to this uh, Miami part of the show. But I mean, if, if, if you're if you're a ticket buying fan in Cleveland who you've waited now patiently over a year and a half, you know, you'd be a little salty. You might be watching the big screen to see what, you know, if Bianca Belair happens to be your favorite or whoever it is that they send down there that's, that's a bit that's actually a really good point yeah a lot of these people who bought tickets expecting to see the favorite wrestlers after a year of being locked away from them uh might not be too happy that oh we're gonna just do it via satellite yeah it's, and i'm sure somebody brought that up maybe to nick Khan in the boardroom and he said all oh, the hell with them they've already paid their ticket they're already there so <laughs> what do we care what do we care okay so that's gonna do it for your news uh headlines you can check uh, more of that out in detail and other additional headlines on wrestlinginc.com news all day and night long so let's get into this AEW dynamite uh this, this road rager we're here in miami uh the james l knight center uh and kind of a cool look uh, i don't know if you noticed but they went back to the traditional dynamite setup of having the two tunnels and the stage yep. the way they did but they uh shot this differently than i've seen them ever shoot dynamite prior they had the hard camera positioned it tucked away and in the sky so it wasn't in you know visible but it was it was on the stage at the entranceway so the hard camera was shooting from the perspective of the entranceway which made a kind of a nice vantage because it yep. made now you saw three sides of the crowd you didn't have any you know gap of an aisleway or anything or a gap of hard camera like so it made um, it made it look maybe probably uh, more fans than what were actually there. It made it look more packed. Yeah, and you can notice it immediately. And that was my favorite part, just kind of uh, tuning into this episode early on, is you could just see all these people. And it's one of those things that that's, should be a point of emphasis to get people to come back and watch the show in terms of you've been in this kind of dailies place for a year, which is very limited and you've kind of seen this uh, limited type capacity crowd. But now you're seeing all these people fill up a, uh, an arena. And I thought it looked really cool. Yeah, I thought it was a nice look. <laughs> Cleveland rocks. Yeah, I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cleveland. Cleveland gets screwed again. I mean, can we pick another city to screw over? <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. So uh, Dynamite kicks off. You know, good. To, good to see. The, to hear the fans. The pyro. Good. Uh, new. You know, new kind of production angle that they did for this particular building at least. And we kick it off with Cody getting the entrance uh, out there. QT Marshall already in the ring, so uh, he got his entrance uh, prior to TV rolling. Uh, that always sets a good precedent. Uh, but we get the, uh, the, the 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 South Florida strap match here. Of course, if you haven't seen a strap match, the idea here not a pinfall or submission, but you got to be able to you know control your opponent to the point where you can get around, touch all four corners of the turnbuckle. Uh, Cody, uh, he's got QT busted open, and he starts to go for the buckles. He gets two or three in, and the lights go out. They come back on. Nothing's there. Just enough to distract to get QT Marshall back, uh, back on his feet. Match continues, and then uh, Cody he gets a, hits a trifecta crossroads. Uh, look, this looked pretty good, and he hits all four corners. So Cody Rhodes gets the victory to kick off this new era. Back to the road, back to the arenas uh, of Dynamite. Uh, but of course, this all would be a little bit of a foreshadowing 
for the night for what's to come later in the night. But what'd you think of this opening match, Alfred? I like the opening match. I love the foreshadowing because they played it like it was a legitimate mistake and it was getting covered by outlets like, oh, there's power outages in Miami. And so, you know, you, you did think just based on the fact that the lights went out and came back on that, oh, you know, they're just kind of having a power outage issue. So I like how they set that up. It was a very emphatic win for Cody. And I, I don't think I've seen this too much in wrestling and how he just slaps the hell out of those four. He might as well gotten credit for five turnbuckles because he slapped the hell out of them. They were counting along with him. It was such a great live crowd thing to watch him. One, two, three, four. And uh, just seeing him win it this dominantly, the first thing I thought about was, okay, well, they're done with this feud. Who do they have next for Cody? And boy, did we find that out. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, you know, Hurricane Elsa's rolling up Florida right now, and they worked her into the angle of, oh, it's power outages. <laughs> Uh, so an assist to Elsa in the booking. Uh, Jimmy uh, Belenko, hope I said that right, Jimmy. Uh, five, uh, I'm not sure the currency, but appreciate it nonetheless. Raj does. Uh, any inside news on if AEW Rampage will be on Fight TV for international fans? Uh, I, I don't know. I, obviously, Rampage kicks off August 13th here in Pittsburgh, in fact, on a Friday. Uh, I'm not sure what the interna- international distribution would be. Uh, Fight TV, I would think, would be a great option. But, yeah. uh, Alfred, do you know f- at all? No. I'm not sure they've even worked that out, but I, I don't know if it's going to be available. I know that definitely is something that they're going to want to do, and it's going to be a priority because they you know they do do well in terms of uh either international following but i i don't know if they've cleared in terms of how rampage will be distributed internationally yeah i mean obviously they still got what five weeks to that i would have to think they would want to uh, i mean I, would, I, would, I wouldn't i wouldn't imagine tony khan and then would go into this launching the second live uh show and not have an international deal figured out and i can just see them wait until they get closer until they announce it but uh, jimmy yeah. no sorry sorry i don't have any solid news for you but we'll i'm sure we'll... they have something lined up but just like you said i think it's going to come like maybe a week or because they don't want to announce it now and then it's like it's a month out and you, you kind of forget about it but i'm sure in the weeks leading up they're going to announce something yeah and I, I think uh let me double check that again i think uh i think it's australian i believe so i think i think it's oh, a currency nice. It, it's all it all goes to roger's bank account he, he, he has he has his underwriters do the do the conversion i don't even know it <laughs> all right we get don callis and kenny omega in the ring promo and a kind of a, a little bit of a repeat of what they did the week prior of just kenny running down the people he's beat the belts he's acquired making history got no opponents crowd once again is chanting for hangman adam page uh dark order interrupts evil uno comes out and he goes why are you ignoring this crowd and i gotta say over one of the nice touches and last week and then even this week they the crowd does but nobody in the ring no talent ever even actually says hangman page's name they always just are referring to him which i think is a a really cool touch but uh you know evil uno you know uh, asked him this question omega what's the capital of thailand proceeds to Bangkok low blow him, all hell breaks loose. Uh, but here comes Hangman Adam Page, and Adam Page comes out and he starts to clear house. So uh, it looks like we are finally on the move now, on the on the on the the, the final path of, of building to Hangman Page uh, sooner or later here now for the world title against Kenny Omega. Yeah, they're taking their own sweet time, as they should, because I don't see this happening until September, which is that big show they're going to have in Flushing Meadows. So they're even taking their time in announcing Eggman Adam Page. And I love that the fans were in lockstep with where the storyline's going. Uh, Evil Uno, as you mentioned, came out and said, you're not listening to these people, but it's not like they had planned. I mean, I'm sure they expected that, yeah, maybe these people will chant for Hangman Adam Page, but, but that was a good thing. And it kind of tells you how uh, in sync everybody is in that, Kenny Omega's cutting this promo and saying he's beating everybody, and it incited these We Want Hangman chants, which brought out Evil Uno to say, listen to these people. So it was really cool in that they're really building toward Hangman on a page. He just kind of teased that um, uh, 
uh, the, what's his finisher called? The the, the, the buckshot the, lariat. The buckshot lariat yeah. And just that tease, similar to that pay-per-view where he kind of teased that he was going to do it. Uh, those fans went crazy at just the sight of it. So I think they're doing a good job just biding their time with this, and I think they're going to build up to a fever pitch. Yeah, it doesn't come along all the time. Promote promotions and bookers always want it. They always want to have that baby face that is on such rise, and mm-hmm. that the crowd is really clamoring to win it. And then you put that baby face. Hopefully, you're in, in the right step of that crowd, and you had that baby face positioned to get ready to take the world title. It's not like a case of where sold out crowds are buying shirts and chanting Rusev Day, and you have them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fluttering around in the, in the mid card. Um, so this is a great situation. Hopefully, all uh, everybody remains healthy. Hopefully, as they go to each of these cities, the the the, the fever for hangman pitch remains for the crowd, which I think it would. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is a good situation for AEW, whether they cash in on the, on the, the Queens show that you mentioned, whether it's uh, all out or, or, you know, they have plenty of options. So that's fun to watch. All right. What we got here? Another super chat, uh, dazzle by nature, uh, five euros. Hey guys watching from Ireland. How cool was it seeing Tommy end in AEW? I wonder <laughs> will Braun be next? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tommy Ender, as you, as D- WWE fans, I know him, Alistair Black. He is going to make, uh, he is going to come in here to the rundown here sooner than later. So uh, we'll save, we'll save the flood of comments for that. And in terms of Braun be next, I mean, look, dazzle my nature. That's, that's the crazy time right now is there's just the, the, the list of, who has who has been booted from Titan Towers in the last couple months, and who was who's who's a free agent? When when are they? When's their ninety days up? Do they have ninety days to wait? What's the situation? So that's certainly been this is certainly to AEW's benefit that a, that WWE has done a couple rounds of, of notable releases, and AEW's going back on the road, and certainly it's a it's an unspoken advertisement that AEW has of come to the live show. You never knew know who we might have show up who we've just signed. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, too. In addition to the novelty of being around live fans again, I mean, this show was a great advertisement for what's to come in AEW. For sure. So we get a backstage pre-tape interview earlier in the day. Jim Ross sitting as a moderator between Ethan Page and Darby Allen. Uh, JR just kind of talks about, you know, it's, you know, he's uncomfortable sitting between these two, considering the just the hatred they spewed about wanting to end each other's careers. Uh, you know, Darby talks about how uh, Ethan Page is jealous that Ethan Page had got, you know, got married, had kids, never left his hometown. Meanwhile, Darby was you know, living out of his car, homeless, and and willing to do whatever it took to get to a place like AEW. And Ethan Page responds and says, you know, you know, I, I've plucked you, you know, out of obscurity. I've elevated you because of who I am, uh, and they're making you more relevant. And they, they confirm next week, Ethan Page versus Darby Allen in a coffin match. What did you like in this, or did you not like? Oh, okay. I did like what was said. I liked the segment. I liked the idea. There just something that was a little off about this. It just didn't click with me. I, I just felt like they might be rushing to this too soon. And I felt like maybe they should have spent more time talking about Darby Allen and Ethan's relationship because they do have an off-screen relationship that dates back years. And, and that's something that if they were going to use that as the central talking point in this interview, I don't think as many people are aware of the fact that Ethan and Darby have this history. So I think they've mentioned it in passing, but they made that like the central part. So it's good. And I like what they're doing here, but it just didn't click with me in terms of, oh, wow, these two guys really hate each other and they're going to kill each other next week, which I know is what they were going for. But I just didn't feel it all the way here. No, that's valid. And I know that they're, you know, they're probably handcuffed of, of what video footage they have. They have the, the ability to use to sell and show anything to illustrate that these two guys have known each other longer than AEW. But uh, I, I agree. It it feels it feels a little forced of like, well, why do these guys want to kill each other? <laughs> like, I, I could name like three, four other feuds right now in AEW that have been going on that like I could buy that kind of language in uh, way more than I can buy this. And it's just because the, the the feud has drawn out on AEW television for a certain amount of time, and the actions have where this 
you know, they, I mean, you know, they, you know, Darby's been throwing down some steps, so we've seen some pretty, some pretty violent things in a short amount of time. But yeah, it's not, it's not all there as you said, offered to what they are. They're trying to acknowledge this longer span of time, but they have no visuals for it. They have no real references that they can right. make. So, um, so yeah, exactly. so I don't know. And that's a good point, Justin. If this was a story they're going to tell, maybe this would have been better. As and yeah, maybe they are limited of what footage they could show, but maybe this would have been better as just kind of a vignette showing that history. Yeah, so I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see. I mean, a, a coffin match next week—that's a pretty, you know, obviously in the wrestling world, a coffin match is a pretty finite. Like, we're blowing things off, so um, I'll be curious to see what they what they have lined up for the booking of that. Uh, Four ninety nine from my buddy Jack's calendar says, "I got a jet, uh, Labar. Your show streaming or only in person, Alfred." Turbo sends his love. What up, Turbo? It's a snake. Oh, Great snake. Snake. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm guessing Jack's referring to uh, the show this Friday. Yeah, I'm re- returning uh, to the managerial circles of the wrestling ring. Managing Spencer Slade up against Big Cass. Uh, Carlito's on the show. Enzo. A lot of good. Uh, in person, I believe uh, the IWC Wrestling has the IWC Wrestling Network. I believe it would be on that as well. Uh, I don't have any of the stuff handy, but if you go to IWC wrestling.com uh, it, the info would be there if it is going to be live stream if not i'm sure it'll be archived and aired after the fact uh, awesome. of course of course if you can be here in the pittsburgh area uh still some tickets you can get at the door friday night at the ross draver ross draver ice gardens uh big cast actually gonna be on he's still on my show he's gonna be on busted open tomorrow morning apparently i, I got a feeling he's gonna be talking some crap i'll be back on friday morning on busted open as i always am so i'll get the final word Oh no! You got to pull up on him tomorrow, Justin. I mean, on Friday. This Friday, you got to go over there and show up and tell him what's up. I mean, he was on CBS Radio here in Pittsburgh talking. Tra- he's, you know, he's seven foot tall. He's talking from his seven foot mountain, talking a lot of trash. But I'll, I'll have the last word on radio Friday morning, and then I'll have the last last word when Spencer Slade is standing over him in the ring Friday night. So it's, it's all good. It's all good. That's what I'm talking about. It's all good. All right. Um, moving on here. Moving right along. Thanks, Jax, for uh, segueing my plug. All right, we got a little. Six-man tag action here. We got uh, Harwood and Wheeler and Wardlow up against Jake Hager, Santana, and Ortiz. Uh, this sees a ref distraction. Uh, Dax and Cass end up hitting the big rig. This allows Wardlow to crawl in and get the pin on Jake Hager. So, uh, you know, nice little, uh, you know, and Conan's out there as well. He comes in, tries to hit the the, the sock with the coins uh, on the back of Wardlow, but uh, Tully Blanchard comes in and just clips Conan in the knee. So, uh, big thing here: Wardlow getting a pin on Hager. So their their little beef here continues as they as they try to one up each other. And you could tell between AEW how they positioned this match to kind of build to that Clash of the Titans and how the crowd received it. This Wardlow Hager thing, there's something there. They've got this great chemistry. I've been talking this up even back to the days when they were together, and all they would do is stare at each other. I thought that was great. Uh, so Wardlow and Hager is quietly one of the better feuds in, I think, all of pro wrestling in that they do more with less. I think that MMA fight that they did that we didn't get to talk about on the show because it was on one of those Saturday nights was phenomenal. And I just love Wardlow versus Hager, and I can't sing their praises enough. Yeah, there's a lot of continuity. They've really stretched this out uh, for many miles, as you said. I mean, even go back to when uh, when you know, when MGF and Wardlow and them were all involved in the inner circle and all, all being buddy buddy to each other's faces, and they all went to Vegas, like Wardlow and Hager, you know, the competition of who could throw somebody further, and you know, you know, it just never took their eyes off each other. It was just great little things if you were if you were really paying attention. Uh, speaking of MGF and Jericho, so we get their stare down. This, of course, is going to be the meeting at the at the uh, 
proverbial contract table where MJF's going to list the stipulations. Uh, MJF comes out, uh, and then Jericho comes out at an arena full of people, of course, singing uh, Judas on My Mind. It should be noted, though, because, of course, we cannot <laughs> let it. Uh, a fan attempts to jump the ring. Yes, we are out of the pandemic, boys and girls. We are back. Fans are jumping the barricades. The fan jumps, and from everything I've read, Alfred, they, the fan was trying to go after MJF and, and hollering that he's going to kill MJF. Jericho uh, had to step in there and shoot on him. He did. So uh, luckily, security gets a hold of this nut job. And then uh, MJF's playing off it says, if any of you other fat white pieces of trash want to try to come in here and attack Jericho, go ahead. They, they both did such a good job playing off that. You could tell it was obviously something that was not planned. But no. between MJF and Jericho just making those barbs, it almost became about this fan. And they didn't miss a beat. No, they didn't. They played right off of it. Uh, I mean, look, this is the kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, especially an MJF character. This is what he lives for. This this is a this is a sign of affirmation that you're doing your job. Yes. Uh, and I and I say the the greatest compliment I can give to MJF, uh, in in a in 2021, is the guy never loses. He never breaks character. Uh, rightly or wrongly, I mean, I've seen people sometimes even react, you know, that he's MJF at meet and greets, even to kids. That he doesn't necessarily he doesn't drop down to that one knee and 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 high pitch his voice a little bit to him he's mjf no matter what your age is no matter who you are no matter if you're in a wheelchair or whatever he doesn't doesn't do the, the placate to you he's mjf and I, I all i can say is that's the greatest compliment i can give him is that in 2021 when everybody is exposed to some degree of the real name of the real personality of some fun fact about their life outside of the business MJF has managed to keep pretty protected. So yeah, and and it's no coincidence that he's the biggest heel they have, and it's trending toward being their biggest star. And I really hate that this is the exception and not the rule. I think all heels, maybe I'm old school. I think all wrestlers who are designated as heels should copy this formula in that you don't have to be MJF, but protect your gimmick and be a bad guy. I know it might be hard and some people are just too empathetic and that's good. That's a good thing. Some people have too much empathy to play that character in real life, but I love that MJF takes it so seriously and it's paying off handsomely. Yeah. I mean, look, the reality is today, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying all heels, but like some guys, they, they, they want to get booed. They want to get booed while they're clocked in doing the job, but they still want to sell merch. And sometimes sure. it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to pedal merch at that inter, at intermission if you're you know, depending on what kind of heel you are, or you're you know, or, or some guys, you know, it sounds cool when you when you talk about it, but then in the actual situation of like fans actually trying to jump the barricade because you have you've insult you've got them so riled up, that's a little intimidating. You, you don't know there's crazy people out there in the world, especially in Florida. You don't know. So I mean, yeah. uh, you know, good on him for not being afraid to be a heel. Uh, so you know, MJF talks about everybody wants the rub, including uh, Chris Jericho. Uh, talks about Greek myth. MJF loves Greek mythology and talks about the the four labors to Hercules and basically setting up here that before Jericho gets to MJF, Jericho has to beat four men, four men that MJF will choose, and each match will have a different stipulation. And if Jericho can do that back to back to back to back, he then will get mjf and uh and jericho says that's fine if he can't beat all of them and mjf maybe he doesn't belong in aew anymore and finally mjf a little calvin candy like from django and chain demands <laughs> none of this matters until you shake my hand shaking of the hand which turns into a judas effect by jericho love the reference and uh, i i think it was a five labors uh maybe i heard it differently but uh, five? I, I oh, like sorry 
I really like when NJF does this. Um, obviously, you shouldn't do it too much, but I love that this is a staple of the character, and I want to see this uh, more for his big feuds, where he says, in order to get to me, you have to do this, 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 this. It kind of forces AEW to play in long term, and it really builds that match to a fever pitch. He did pretty much the same thing with Cody, where at the end, Cody had to beat Wardlow in a steel cage, and it really properly built to Cody versus MJF. And by the time they got there, it was a really hot match. So I love that MJF does this where it plays right into his character, where he wants you at your weakest state. So, you know, you can keep this win streak going, but he still has heat on him because like, yeah, of course you beat him at the end of this five labors thing. Yeah. I mean, and look, yeah, there's eight, there's eight weeks till all out. So, I mean, if you did, you know, you can stagger it, you know, whether Jericho does, whether they truly do back to back to whether it's four or five weeks in a row, whether they, whether they do it every other week. I mean, there's room to, to book this out and plan this and you're right and you know the fact that uh you know mjf i'm sure i'm sure this was on purpose did not say that the um the guy you know that the that the guys are going to be you know pinnacle guy you know like he didn't say i mean again which leaves the room over to what i said a minute ago tune into AEW, come out and buy a ticket you never know who could show up you don't know who's on our roster right now um you know so you know so the 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 super chat earlier it said Braun Strowman. I mean, I you know I don't know. I'm just saying there's just endless booking possibilities uh, because nothing's out of bounds at this point. So yeah, it has like an open challenge feel to it. Like when Cena would do those open challenges, you didn't right. know you were going to get Alberto Del Rio returning or you were going to get Cesaro from somewhere. Right. Uh, and I really do like that idea of Braun Strowman. To be honest, that would be a nice way to kind of test Braun Strowman in that. Like I think Braun Strowman would be a good addition to AEW. I might be on the uh, you know uh, outside thinking that, but. Uh, one of the things that people have kind of talked about is, you know, they want to make sure his attitude in terms of a guy coming from being a top star, maybe test him, have him go in there and uh, not beat Jericho and see how he takes to that. But I would love to see that. Yeah, I mean, you bring up Braun Strowman uh, under whatever name you, you label him as. I mean, if I'm um, if I'm Brian Cage, if I'm Jake Hager, if I'm Wardlow, if I'm Lance Archer, uh, I'm, that that I'm not loving that because you know he is legitimately. You know, I mean, maybe Archer's the same height as him, but you know, he's he's bigger than all those guys, and so and, and obviously he has the he has the biggest name. You know, he's, he's main event at WrestleMania, so um, I mean, it's a big catch, I guess, for AEW. But you know, we've already that's been a that's been a critique of the booking with AEW is how they using the big man, how they setting them up. So that would be something to watch. Is it a one off? Is it a short term? Is it something sure. long term? Uh, we'll keep an eye. Jack's doing doing my promotional work for me. He says the fans may watch VIWC Network with the purchase of a monthly subscription, nine ninety nine with one month free trial. So there you go. Jack deserves uh, a cut. You got to give him ten percent of those streams. <laughs> Absolutely, IWCWrestling.com. Go check it out for your free uh, one month subscription. Uh, we got another dazzle by nature. Uh, five super chat. Uh, I remember when AEW started, the fans would react if they signed WWE stars. They're begging them to now. Uh, times change. Uh, so yeah, well, I mean, I think it depends on who that person is that they sign. Sure, you know, um, I will say, you know, it. I know they have another. I know Rampage is coming. Another. I mean, they they have a heavy, heavy list of talent that they do. So that's something to watch of how the use goes here. And I think part of that change is that you know maybe a year or two ago or whenever AEW was starting up, their WWE's philosophy was to keep everybody, and uh, so there wasn't as much as that demand. But now the market's pretty much flooded with all these former WWE guys. So that conversation expands in that you've got a bigger pool of talent to choose from. Absolutely. We get a promo backstage. This one got the world talking uh, on social media tonight. Britt Baker's cutting her promo. Of course, uh, uh, Rebel, Rebel is there uh, You know, on the crutches. So we talked about it last week. We weren't sure what it was. I I, I, when I, I saw Rebel got hurt in, that, in the middle of that uh, breaking up the pin last week. Looks like she just blew her knee out, apparently. 
And so Britt's really just cutting this promo, cutting it on Tony Khan, calling him TK, you know, why, you know, talking about, the, you know, not liking this match anyways with Vicky. Why is Vicky? Oh, Vicky's here to bring in El, El Idolo. Oh, that, so this is just a blood money situation. And then she segues at this blood money. of Okay, blood money. Why don't we just go have an AEW show in Saudi Arabia next week? Whoa. Woo. So that one got the that one got the Twitters going. Uh, of course, taking a shot at WWE in their Saudi Arabia deal. Um, it talks about next week in Dallas. The big D doesn't know anything about that, but it'll be the big DMD. Uh, Britt just just she, she can't miss on the promo right now. She's floating on cloud nine. I mean, that was the, the most gangster thing I saw on the show. Uh, and Dan Lambert was on the show, so it's saying a lot. I, mean, I just <laughs> like that was a bar where she just you didn't see it coming, and she's perfectly built up to that punchline. It was well written. I loved how she delivered it. And you know what's funny? It's kind of a happy accident that uh, Reba, not Rebel, is now back. Uh, with this knee injury, it sucks that she got an injury, but she already has some merch for it. You know, she already was working the gimmick, and now she's back to doing that gimmick. So hopefully, she gets to sell more T-shirts. Yeah, sell more merch is what it's all about. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, you know, the, the Brit made a good killing off of that. That it was from it was from one of those like one of those at the early pandemic shows. Remember when she like got busted open and she had blood all over, and, and yes. she's had a couple of those imageries where she's made good shirts off of her, you know, uh, <laughs> bloody face. I'm just waiting for a blood money Saudi Arabia shirt to. <laughs> To be on Pro Wrestling Tees by tomorrow morning. Uh, Please. Yeah, the merch is there, Britt. Go get it. All right, well, we get speaking of El Idolo, we get the in-ring debut in AEW of El Idolo Andrade versus Matt Seidel. He's out there. Uh, El Idolo is with uh, Vicky and with his assistant. He's out there. Bl- black and white pinstripe. He's got a black mask. Uh, this is not a squash match. It's competitive. Matt Seidel has some, some good offense. You know, a fun match for what it was, but obviously uh, no, no way – and how do you have Andrade lose? He, of course, does get the win. Uh, what you make of this one, Alfred? Hated the gear, uh, but Andrade looks to be in, like, the best shape of his life. I thought he looked like a 1000 bucks, and the match was very good. Uh, and as competitive as it was, I thought it was actually way better than I thought, uh, you know, because kind of like you, I expected him just it was going to be a showcase featuring his moves, but they gave Matt Seidel stuff, and I thought this was a good match. And I'm happy to see El Idolo. I, I, I hope that they actually have a plan for where they're going with this. You don't like the gear? Not a fan of it. You know, I, I didn't like the – I liked his old gear Was I was a big fan of. You know, I think that he just looked uh, so great with the, the trunk and the pants and the and the boots and stuff like that. But him just wearing those kind of pinstripe, almost baseball pants over his boots just looked like – he looked just like a normal person. I, I didn't think he looked like a professional wrestler. Well, I mean, yeah, he looked like a New York Yankee. I mean, well, he just – you have to remember, Alfred, he just came from New York. Oh, I see. So you have to wear pinstripe. So where are the pinstripes for the segment that we're going to talk about with Malachi? He just left WWE. He came from New York, right? So he has to, you know, okay. I mean, what, do you want him to wear Jacksonville Jaguar colors? Come on now. At least the Mets. I mean, well, why not the Mets? <laughs> right. Um, all right. So here's here's what everybody wants to talk about, really. So we get this kind of just, you know, uh, oh, hang on, before we go to that. So sell it Justin Lopez, $1.99. I think he was going for a black mask. From yes, Batman. I heard that on Twitter. Okay, I get it. But, you know, you got to understand that this is not, this is a big inside joke if you're just going to do comic book references. Not all wrestling fans cross over with comic book. I'm comic book guy and i didn't even really pick up on that until somebody said it and then i was like oh that's right that that is what he's going for yeah it's like well it's like i didn't ricochet do that too ricochet tried to like do some comedy like some comic yeah. book and he i just his gear i think just got kind of questioned all but right so, did wolverine i thought that was really good how he did it yeah and of course ray mysterio's done you know he's done like big budget hollywood things Joker, for his mania yeah. costumes yeah didn't he do avatar one year i think yes yeah okay all right so Aaron anderson standing in the ring with tony Schiavone. 
So like, all right, what's Arn got to say here? We, we see Arn and Cody earlier in the night. So Arn's happy to be in Miami. Da, 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 da. Lights are out again. Oh, must be weather, right? Lights are out for a pretty long time. Oh, my God. There he is. Tommy End. No, that's not Tommy End. <laughs> he used to be Tommy. He's not Tommy End. It's, it's Malachi Black. Of course, this is Alistair Black, as we know him from WWE. <clears throat> and uh, just uh, takes a kick right to Arn Anderson's face, knocks Arn out, and Cody's quickly out there, takes a spinning kick to Cody, levels Cody, takes his head off. Uh, crowd, of course, holy shit moment. Uh, so a lot to unpack here. So first off, Malachi Black, uh, if you were following along on Wrestling Inc. and social media <clears throat> earlier uh, today on Wednesday, uh, you know, Tommy and Malachi, Tommy and uh, unveiled this Malachi Black persona on a, a pretty well produced video on Instagram. So he already kind of teased that. So, I mean, I guess it was acceptable, of course, for Excalibur to be able to give us the, the name. Uh, spelling is in question, as Alfred pointed out on Twitter. Uh, but here it is. So, so you know, look, Alistair Black, <clears throat> one of the guys, kind of surprising that was released by WWE, released uh, on the opening days of June. And, you know, but, you know, the, the 90 day was a kind of a question. And we, we'd heard rumblings, different people had reported outlets reported that maybe somebody had got out of the 90 days. And, and you know, of course, Andrade got out of his deal and, and, and got, didn't have a 90 day. So, uh, Alistair Black, Tommy Ann, Malachi Black is what we're going with. Uh, no 90 day non compete here for him. He is in AEW. It looks like he's here to stay. And what a debut. I mean, I got to be up there, right? With, with the, for the surprise factor. I mean, it's got to be right up there with the Moxleys, right? Of a surprise debut for AEW. Yes, I think it might have even been better if you just listen to the reaction, the way they played this up for, like we were mentioning earlier, the lights going off. This time around, when they went off, they were out for longer, and you had Excalibur on commentary apologizing. So you're thinking, and you know, AEW has had a couple of blunders, and they are a new company, so this is kind of up their alley in terms of something that would go wrong for them. So I was legitimately thinking, oh, God, here we go. Uh, and there were already stories out there about their power outages. And so the lights came on and you see Aleister Black in the ring. That place went crazy. And I, I'm not a gasper. I gasped. I was <gasps> like, I, I could not believe that they somebody had shown up. And this is all part of an angle. I thought it was so well done. And this is uh, Cody has such a flair from the dramatic and he gets it from his dad in terms of he's always seems to know how to pull off like a dramatic angle, whether it's against Shaq, whether it's this angle, even with he booked, a hur- he booked a hurricane as a disguise for the damn lights to go out. Yeah, he booked yeah. a hurricane. Like, this is this is so well done. And it came out of left field for me. I, I thought this was great. <laughs> Our New York City demon oh, demon. I did. love the pinstripe. Yeah, of course. New York's did. own. <laughs> Look, full disclosure, I am a Yankees fan. I love the Yankees. I just didn't like the pinstripes on Alistair oh. Black or on uh, Andrade. I like his old gear. Gosh, could you imagine Issa if Roman Reigns came out in pinstripe gear? Good Lord. <laughs> um, so, all right. So, yes, yeah, so, so Malachi Black. I, I mean, th- first off, this is exciting. Uh, who's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of him. And, and I, I think it, what's most exciting about this to me is um, Alistair Black he he stood out so much in the way of his music and his entrance in WWE, or more so in NXT. They, they did away with it not long after his his run in the on the main roster. You know the the rising up, the music, the way it was timed. It just fit the character. I mean, it really stood out. I'm I'm a big proponent. I'm big on entrances and presentation. You know, I'm not I'm not to knock the the, the five star guys and the bell to bell stuff. I appreciate it on a in a certain category, but I I will take somebody who has a killer entrance all day long first. Okay, and then we'll teach them the other stuff after the fact because you just can't, you know, an entrance just can't be assigned to somebody. It's got to fit the character. They got to be able to pull it off and have that charisma, have that feel, have that walk. The Alistair Black character had it. So I'm really excited because 
I have to think that Tony Khan and company are going to let the creative juices just flow, let the imagery flow, and take what WWE started a step further. You know, I don't know if he's going to do the rising up. I don't know if we could see a gangrel brood kind of thing up to the fire, but I, I got to imagine that they are going to really swing for the fences and give him an entrance that stands out in AEW because that's what he had in WWE, and WWE dropped the ball with him. So do you want to capitalize off of this? Hundred thousand percent with you in this. In that, uh, this seems to be character driven. Uh, I was saying that I was opposed to Alistair Black just coming in to be another wrestler, but if they're bringing this in as a character, which he had the makeup already, and yes, it does seem like they're going to lean into the character of uh, Alistair Black or Malachi Black now. I'm all for it if they make this into something that's uh, larger than life, that's not necessarily focused on the in-ring. And working with Cody, it's not going to just be wrestling, 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 wrestling. They are going to tell a story. They're going to have a character. And and this is going to be huge. When he was in NXT, you saw the potential of this. You saw when they kept him unbeaten and he had that great entrance where he rose in uh, off that uh, uh, stage thing. That I, I thought that the, that if they continue to make this about the character, he's the sky's the limit. Yeah, and that thing that he would rise up on, I believe he even said somewhere in an interview, that, that was actually a prop that never made it to TV for a, a, an Undertaker yes. spot or gimmick or something. And so, I mean, look, when you, when, you, when you get to use Undertaker magic, when you get to use Undertaker magic that didn't make it through the cutting room floor, I mean, it you, you, you can only, you know, it can't be that bad, right? Um, yeah, I, 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 who would have thought, too, within a week, it, just going in the real-life stuff here, that his wife would return to WWE after... <laughs> You know, uh, after her loud departure, yeah. and then and that he would then, you know, uh, surpass a ninety day on compete somehow, uh, and, and show up on AEW in the way he did. So yeah, a lot of this certainly was the the, the headline of the night of the show. Also, but, the juxtaposition between I mean, uh, God loves Zelina Vega because I think she's a phenomenal manager, but I think that return was one of the worst returns I think I've seen in terms of her just coming back and losing quickly and for no reason in that he returned with one of the best returns I've seen of the year. So it was really weird dichotomy there. Um, but, uh, put, it in the, put it in Nick Khan's comment box, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's there. It's there already. Nick, rightfully or wrongfully, I know you interviewed him. Nick Khan has quickly become like the new, like, public punching bag for the IWC for any you know. I don't think it's fair at all. I, I think two things can be true. I mean, he's a supreme executive. He's a guy who's there. If it wasn't Nick Khan, it would be somebody else doing this in terms of cutting people. And that's the best guy who could do it in terms of WWE from a business standpoint. Like, I try to compartmentalize with this because, yeah, it sucks that people get fired and stuff like that. But it's not like Nick Khan is this ruthless killer who's just hungry for firing people and whatnot. It's just there, what he's there to do. And he's one of the best deal makers there. Well, rightly or wrongly, the perception, the, again, the perception that wrestling, internet wrestling and wrestling social media has, again, rightfully or wrongfully developed here, and, I, and I'm kind of leaning into it with my comments, is that, like, Nick Khan has become the bad cop, and Vince gets to kind of lay back and <laughs> be the good cop. when, when those are doing this, guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, coming off of that, we get into some mixed tag action. Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlin are up against the Bunny and the Blade. Uh, Statlander is going to hit a, in the area of 451 on the blade. She's also going to hit this uh, tombstone pile driver on the bunny for Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander to uh, to get a win here. Uh, I mean, I don't know. This was okay, and this was, you know, I, I mean, it was fun to see her do, you know, do, I guess do the 450 on 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 blade. But this, I don't know. 
I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm iffy on mixed tags a lot of times. Yeah, this is a weird match in, in that, like, there was a stretch of time where it, they knocked out Orange Cassidy with a foreign object, and it looked like they're going to have the blade pin Orange Cassidy with all due respect to the blade. Like, Orange Cassidy should not be pinned by the blade, and that's what it looked like they were doing. So it was a nice little fake out to have Chris Statlander kind of save Orange Cassidy and tag back in. Uh, but, yeah, this match was what it was. It was just kind of there, and, you know, it's hard to follow all the excitement that was – happened before it and that really happened after it yeah well after it one of the more random things we've ever seen so they're in miami and, and america top talent um dan lambert who's the owner he's a very charismatic loud owner he actually real quick sidebar he, he's he was in the he's also in the news this week i don't know if you saw this alfred with the new name image likeness rule of now allowing college athletes to be able to monetize off of themselves uh you know a big screw you to the ncaa uh dan lambert who's in miami who is a huge miami hurricanes fan and booster is offering to pay like every Miami hurricane football player, like $500 for them wow. to then promote his gym. And, and he's saying, whether you believe it or not, he's saying it's not, he's not trying to profit off them. He just wants, you know, he, he, you know, he wants to promote the gym. He wants to promote sense of community and, you know, wants to help them out with, with now being able to get fine. So uh, uh, <laughs> quite a character as is he's in, he's out in the crowd and he's got uh, Manny Nunez. He's got some MMA fighters with him, And then he proceeds to take the mic from Shivani and just work his way into the ring and cut this live promo. This live promo just basically running down the AEW product, running down professional wrestling today, noting the the good old days of the the 80s and 90s of wrestling and how it all just sucks now. Uh, And then here comes Lance Archer who puts him out of his misery. But this was a killer live promo from a 51-year-old uh, you know, pro wrestling outsider by all accounts. It, it came out of nowhere, and I think it came as a shock to a lot of people. But if you saw him, he was doing this in Impact, and he was a huge star doing this. I believe he was put with Bobby Lashley at the time when they were doing this. So Dan Lambert is a legitimate wrestling fan. He's a guy who gets some of the rarest belts in the world. He's, he's got some rare belt collection stuff, so he loves wrestling. And I just love this guy's such a great actor, and he's so good at speaking with conviction and passion. He legitimately, it, this did not seem like a scripted, some guy coming off, you're going to play our punching bag for the guy who hates. They're not like lampooning the guy who hates AEW. He seemed like a guy who, we're going to give you a live mic, you hate AEW, tell us why. And he just went to town and he's been the talk of this chat. I don't know if it's more so the WWE people are rallying behind him or they just appreciate for what it is. But I'm a guy who likes AEW and I loved this promo and I love Dan Lambert. And I think uh, I hope this leads to something with MMA versus AEW. I mean, look, this was I mean, obviously, it's unfair because the WWE Raw and SmackDown guys and girls are some of them are handcuffed more than others with having to say certain things and having to say things that aren't. You know, whatever. I, this guy, this guy, <laughs> cut a better promo than we hear from many of them. Again, not probably by the, by a lack of talent on their part, but just because, as you said, you know, Tony probably gave, you know, just said, "Here's what we need you to do. You got 90 seconds to do it." And, and boy, did he ever! I thought boy. that was a phenomenal promo. Oh man, so uh, yeah, something fun, just a little, uh, you know, kind of again that that kind of element of you never know. Tune in, come to a show, you never know who might be there and who might get worked into a just a quick little crossover whether it's just a one-time things were in miami or whether this comes back to comes back around of course he got a little promo in for his his boy who's fighting uh mcgregor this this weekend yeah, in vegas conor mcgregor got a shout out there got a lot of heat on the show yeah i will say the one nitpick i have they did if they're going to do business with like dan lambert's camp versus aw they did cut to Amanda nunez after he got laid out and she was just laughing and enjoying herself i don't think she was smart enough that like this is all part of an angle not to mention, you put him in. Amanda Nunes get in there. She she'll probably try to give Archer a run for his money. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she ain't putting up with any crap. She might pound for pound be the best fighter in the world. Right. Man or woman. 
Right. All right. Main event time. Uh, so fall, you know, just uh, false kind of, it doesn't matter. Nothing. There's no rules here. <laughs> Penta L zero Mieto and Eddie Kingston up against the young bucks. Um, this is just shenanigans all over the place. Albert. Uh, Penta hits a Canadian destroyer on Matt Jackson off the apron into a table, which was insane. Uh, Nick Jackson hits a 450 on the ref while Kingston is choking out Matt Jackson. So Kingston's not getting the the, the, the submission win that he should because Rick Knox just got 450'd by Nick Jackson. <laughs> out comes the Good Brothers again, all, all craziness. And then the finish here, the Bucks put thumbtacks in Kingston's mouth and hit him with a super kick. Young Bucks win. Um, I mean, it's crazy main event here. What do you, what are you taking from this one? Absolutely. I mean, the young bucks uh, look great in their, uh, John Cena thugonomics type gear, but they're like macrameated shorts. So they continue to do that thing. Uh, I thought it's just AW has such a discipline problem that even when they have a street fight and they have no rules, you would think it's like, okay, you have no rules. So now you can, you know, work a little outside the lines, uh, but still have a match, but they took that and they took, all the advantage of that to where oh we have no rules well then we're gonna throw all this stuff at you we're gonna 450 the ref like even though it was a street fight with no rules i still felt man this is overbooked i was still having to like i kind of restrain myself and like this is getting out of control but you know i did think it was a good match i thought that it looked like they were rushing to finish uh because you know this was a live show and they were inching up against the hours so it, it kind of sped to the finish maybe but, dan you know, maybe dan lambert ran along <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And listen, it was worth it. But I just thought, you know, even though it was a street fight, it was still too overbooked. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. I tried, I tried to appreciate, like, oh, the finish, like, oh, thumbtacks in the mouth. That's brutal. And super kick. And, I, I, yeah, I was trying not to, like, get lost in that. But, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, like, that. It, it, look, let's just do this. Let's just make it from now on, AEW. You want to be innovative? You want to be fan engagement experience? I got one for you. Don't even bother sending a ref out in stripes for <laughs> tag matches, especially tornado tag matches, which is basically every tag match in AEW. Don't send a ref in stripes shirts. No, because there's no need. There's nothing for them to, you know, refs out there to, to the refs supposed to be there to enforce rules so that way heel can break rules so heel can get heat. But we just don't, we don't even, we just break the rules anyways. That doesn't matter. There's no, there's no, there's no counts. There's no DQs. So don't bother sending a ref out there. All you need is just let the fans. They can just count. They can count one. They can count. They'd already do it anyways. They know to stop when somebody kicks out. They know to say three if somebody didn't kick out. And then, here you go, fan engagement premium tickets you can sell. Sell like 50 premium tickets where you get to show up to the building and you get to be one of the 50 fans that gets to be drawn in a lottery. And you draw like, you know, if you're going to have, what, four tag matches in a show, you get to draw four fans, and that fan gets to sit next to Justin Roberts, the timekeeper, and gets to be the special fan who gets to count one, two, three from the ringside. What if, I mean, that's great. That's great money right there. Great, great fan engagement, and it doesn't you know, change anything about your booking. That, listen, they, they might listen to you on that one. I mean, that might be what we need in terms of having a fan going there, but you just don't want it to be that fan who ran in and tried to shoot on MJF, but like maybe somebody who's more disciplined. And, Handcuff and on to Justin there. Roberts. Handcuff yeah. on Justin Roberts. <laughs> Listen, I love the idea. I think they should do that for one of these nights. But listen, that's the point that we're getting to in terms of these matches. I mean, listen, this is a wild match. I was not a fan of them throwing those thumbtacks. I think I don't want to see that much. I know that they, they you know, they haven't figured out where they, they probably nobody got, really got too hurt. But they're playing with fire, throwing those thumbtacks around in people's eyes like that. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of things I say that I think, you know, I think that the thumbtacks are, you know, um, there's some quality control things we're going to have to keep, you know, thumbtacks, of course, um, I say it anyways, and out this is out of respect. Darby Allen, I mean, the things I see Darby doing again, I'm like, ooh, like that's 
I, I'm I'm wildly entertained by the guy and I have mad respect for his balls, but I'm like, dude, like you're you're walking a thin line of like, you know, you can only do those stunts for so I mean, yeah, you're in your twenties now. Those stunts, you know, that, that stunts only last you so long. Yeah, that moment came for me when he fell down those stairs. Like yeah. that was like, okay, Darby, let's uh let's let's relax on these stunts now. <laughs> Cause that's right. gonna be the beginning of the end if he keeps doing stuff like that. Right. So but yeah, I mean, look, crazy shenanigans of an ending. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, let me ask you this again. Now that we get to fan, now you know, obviously, you know, we get we have the luxury of 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 armchair quarterbacking this thing. You know, what an hour and two minutes after it ended. Um, obviously, Tony Khan and company they're doing the best they can on paper, booking it what they think is going to come off the best. What makes the best? What what should be positioned? Do you keep the show this way, the way we just saw it, the way we just reviewed it, or I know you want to start hot in front of a live crowd. Do you start hot? With this craziness up front, or do you start hot with uh, El Idolo's in-ring debut? And my point is, do you end with the strap match mm. so that way you can have Cody win, but then lights out after the fact? Malachi Black make the entry because it seems like that Malachi Black thing is what it more most people are talking about. So, like, is that the right? Does that matter that you end on that, or do you end on having Young Bucks, one of your big feature talents, standing tall? That's a good point. Uh, I wouldn't, just based on how the show played out, I think the Malachi Black surprise appearance was made that much better because there was a foreshadowing at the beginning that was so realistic. So I definitely wouldn't change how they set that up unless you want Arn Anderson in the main event segment, which with all due respect to Arn Anderson, I mean, Arn Anderson speaks with Tony Schiavone is not a main event segment. Uh, even if you do have a surprise plan, I don't know if that's something that's going to well, drop. That's what I mean. You that's what I mean. You, you yeah. do away with the Arn segment. You just have the sure. Cody match and then yeah. – Black shows and, but I wouldn't I would not do it that way, you know, because I, I think the way they did it with Arn Anderson later and setting it up was so well done. But having said that, yeah, this is the big takeaway on the show. This is Dan Lambert, but but uh, yeah, maybe that should have been the thing in terms of Cody and QT Marshall are in the main event. Uh, you know, Cody wins his match and then that lights off, lights on. I think that could have sent people out on an extreme high given how big of a pop he got. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I have no problem with that if, if they were to end it like that. Uh, I maybe wouldn't have ended it with this Young Bucks match, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I mean, it's, you know, I I get why they put the Bucks versus Penta and Eddie last. I get it. You know, I mean, it was the, I mean, they really did throw all the rules out here. So you, I guess you end on that. And, and of course, you know, the, 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 the Bucks of the Bucks. I mean, I get it. I just, I always, especially looking at, you know, Malachi Black makes his uh, debut at like, you know, 15 minutes into the second hour. So it's not the turn of the, you know, there was not yeah. one of the necessarily those pivotal points you hear about on TV. Granted, they're not. They don't have any direct competition with wrestling on Wednesday nights anymore. But I don't know. I, just, I love armchair quarterback and these things of where would you position the show? How would you have put it? Uh, you know, so something to think about. But nonetheless, a, a dynamite uh, certainly making headlines and quite the big splash back on the road. Uh, of course, Miami was tonight. They'll be in Austin, Texas next week, which I believe JR noted they are sold out. They could, there was no tickets for them to promote on yeah. tonight's show. So uh, I expect a, a big show in uh, in Dallas next week for dynamite as they continue back on the road. And of course, WWE inching closer and closer, much needed, thankfully to the road uh, as they will return next week. Uh, and they get out of the Thunderdome, uh, Alfred, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, bring up plug Forbes.com. What you got going on? Yeah. Uh, watch me on Forbes. Uh, got a piece reacting to tonight's show. I'll be talking about SmackDown. I'll also be uh, talking about the rolling loud festival that's coming. Uh, have a lot of good stuff on that. Uh, follow me on Twitter. at This is nasty and YouTube pro wrestling bits. There you go. Uh, he's Alfred Cunnawa. I'm Justin Labar at Justin Labar. Of course, like I said, Friday morning, 10 a.m. Every single Friday, I'm on uh, Sirius XM Radio, Channel 156, Busted Open with Dave LaGreca and Mark Henry. I'll be on. And, of course, Friday night, go to IWCWrestling.com. If you can't be here in the Pittsburgh area, uh, sign up for your uh, subscription to the IWC Network. 
myself managing Spencer Slade. You got to see this guy. Look, I, I, I had I had I had RJ City. I had Wardlow. I know talent. I'm telling you, Spencer Slade's a guy you're going to be seeing at even greater places not long from now. Up against Big Cass, you can see Enzo up against Juice Robertson, uh, New Japan star. You can see Carlito involved in a tag match. You can. Uh, there's going to be tons of talent to watch on this show so check it out go to iwcwrestling.com get all the details it is this friday night or if you can get to the pittsburgh area uh some tickets will still be at the door come friday so justin labar business back in session thanks to everybody make sure, that's right make sure you leave a comment hit a like hit subscribe do all the things and we'll talk to you next wednesday night box and six Ooh.